The Greg Kelly Show. And listen to this. The FBI director finally realizing that uh, white supremacy is not the threat to our country, but China is. Uh, Cut 13. PRC hackers are targeting our critical infrastructure, our water treatment plants, our electrical grid, our oil and natural gas pipelines, our transportation systems. This is the same guy who uh, warned about MAGA extremists. Same guy who uh, put FBI agents in school board meetings, right? Yeah, China. Hello? Cut 14. So you didn't take any action. You didn't take any action. You didn't fire anybody. You haven't compensated a single victim. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Stop everything. I think you, I think you, right, man? Cut 14. One, four. The one that comes after the 13, Director Ray. Okay, you see the next one? Okay, that one. China's hackers are positioning on American infrastructure in preparation to wreak havoc and cause real-world harm to American citizens and communities if and when China decides the time has come to strike. Havoc on communities. I don't like the sound of that. And one thing that I think is going to happen, and it's going to be a wild societal crisis, uh, everybody's text message is going to become public. All of our text messages will become public. Everything we've ever texted. Imagine that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you think some people are going to have some problems? Then again, if it happens to everybody at the same time. But it's fascinating. Ray, the Department of Justice, all that crap that they were consumed with January 6th, the white supremacy, when real threats to America. I don't like white supremacy. Do I have to say that? Nobody does. It's stupid. But there are about six white supremacists in the whole country, and they're in the woods or in prison. I mean, and oh, by the way, if you want to be that way, you can. You can. It's kind of crazy when Joe Biden, he says this thing a lot. It sounds good at first, uh, you know, when you first hear it. Hate. We can give hate no harbor. Hate has no harbor in America. Well, yeah, I I like that, I guess. But wait a second. I mean, what does the government have to do with that? I mean, if you want to... if They pretend... Emotions are not illegal, right? And they are trying to say that MAGA is a hate group, and we're not. And that's that's the direction I think they're going. And that kind of freaks me out, and I think it should freak you out uh, as well. Now, the other thing is, what's happening with women? It's one thing for men to be perverts, right? We've always had male perverts. How many? Uh, there's always been a segment of society where you had some perverts. And they would do their thing and whatever, right? Bad. But now it's exploded because everybody everybody has the internet porn in their pocket, right? So even the word pervert, you don't even hear that word pervert anymore, right? It's like because it's like kind of everybody's a little bit perverted, I guess, right? A little, a, a, a little bit? Is it? I mean, a little bit. More and more I'm seeing these stories of women getting it on with children. And this used to be so, like, I mean, (laughs) what? Every single day in the paper, you will find a female teacher hooking up with children every day. And you know why they put it in the paper every day? 
because people love reading that story. From I mean, they did they do the women hooking up with the uh, the miners. It, it, it's clickbait. That 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 is their most popular story. It's also one of the, I mean, it's kind of depraved. It is, and this is really depraved. Newlywed teacher in Iowa admits to sex abuse of boys as young as thirteen. A newlywed Iowa school teacher has admitted sexually abusing students as young as thirteen leaving her facing up to 33 years in prison after already losing her job and short-lived marriage. Cassidy Krause, 24, a teacher at IKM Manning School, got hitched in July just for new husband Zachary to file for divorce in August when the abuse against at least three boys first emerged. Uh, Three days before the divorce filing, the teacher tendered her resignation to avoid getting fired. She pleaded guilty Monday to one count of third-degree sexual abuse, two counts of lascivious acts with a child, lascivious or lascivious, and three counts of dissemination and exhibition of obscene materials to minors. See, this is the thing. We're all porn uh, creators. You can be, at least, right? I mean, think about 1980. How hard would it be to send a naked picture of yourself to one of your students, Right? You'd have to take that picture, you'd have to get it developed, you'd have to put it in an envelope, you'd have to put a stamp on it, you'd have to put it in the mailbox, right? Nobody would do that. No, nobody. Now, I mean, since teachers are texting students, right, on Snapchat and whatever, right, and the conversation goes a little bit that way and a little bit more that way and a little bit more that way, and all of a sudden you're, uh, well... Krauss knowingly disseminated obscene material via Snapchat to one boy between January and May of 2022 and to two others between January and June of 2023. Um, And then, wait, was this all electronic? Hmm, wait. Oh, she committed the lascivious acts, lascivious acts against a 13-year-old in May of 2022 by fondling or touching him, according to the complaint, which noted that she was a mandatory reporter of child abuse uh, Krauss had sexually abused a 14-year-old boy by performing sex acts. Look, who remembers Mary Kay Latourneau? Mary Kay Latourneau was a teacher in California, I believe, and she was fooling around with a student, and that was like, what international news? She was on the cover of People magazine. Granted, there was a twist to that case in that she was arrested. <laughs> they put her in jail. She gets out of jail. She keeps hooking up with the boy. The boy becomes a man. They get married. They have kids together. Yeah, they did. And they become a celebrity couple in France. The French are the French are unique people. I love the French, but they are they they're they're, they're different from the rest of us. You know, um Macron, the president of France, you know how he met his wife? When he was in eighth grade and she was the teacher. Did you know that? That's how they started yep. It went all the way back then. So in France, this is ooh la la, so chic. Uh, but in the rest of the world, it's uh, it's depraved and it's unfair to children. Obviously, it's a crime against children, and it's happening more and more. This isn't just the media exaggerating something. This is a real thing that's happening, and I think it bodes terribly for society in general, as does singling out idolatry. You know, I I mentioned the idolatry that's happening around Taylor Swift. I am still being cyber, globally cyber bullied by Taylor Swift fans, even though I said nothing bad about Taylor Swift. But it's quite frankly, the fans (laughs) making too much 
of this woman and her self-absorption and her songs and her guitar and her billionaire and her boyfriend. Who cares? Who cares? Well, Nobody can actually say that I am not decrying idolatry. Idolatry is wrong. It's in the Bible. You can look it up. Lots of things are wrong. I understand that. And uh, I've been guilty of idolatry. I've been guilty of a lot of things. But nobody will say that that's not idolatry. They'll say, well, what about the idolatry that you give Trump? And I don't think that's idolatry. I don't, because he's talking to people about people. He's ta- You can listen to, you can follow Taylor Swift for the rest of your life. She's never going to talk about you, ever, ever. She'll talk about her own struggles, her own triumphs, her own failures, right, her own heartbreak, but this is different. It is going to affect the quality of our lives. And it's like, is it idolatry? I don't think so. He's just, he's just on a, he just speaks from a podium and people listen. Doesn't have, um, you know, super duper fireworks going off. Well, I guess they do that at the convention, right? They do, they do a little bit of that, but that's like a party. I don't think that's idolatry. Jacqueline, do you think that's idolatry? No, not at all. I think that's respect for a man who has set aside his own personal time and everything that he could have for himself, all of his enjoyment and pleasure for the betterment of society, as you just said. So there is a very big difference. But unfortunately, the young people of today don't realize that. And uh, they're attached to their phones. They worship uh, sports professionals, uh, actors, actresses entertainers and and that's where their head is at it's amazing isn't it it's totally amazing. and the thing about it is you know what's her name uh e jean carroll just wins yeah. 83 million dollars and she she boasts on tv about all the decadent crap she's going to buy herself and her friends from motorcycles to uh penthouses in paris and all this stuff and she's giddy 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 for getting one scintilla of donald trump's fortune do you see donald trump giddy about spending wildly on frivolous things you could you could look at his whole career and he's never spoken that way because it's it's well it's kind of depraved actually to speak that way and curiously it's donald trump with the decorum it's donald trump with the class because he could have given up a long time ago and engaged in a lifetime of hedonistic pleasure just like uh, e Jean carroll wants to but anyway go on jacqueline yeah, I mean, that situation with E.G. Carroll, that's just a travesty, and it just shows how she, along with the rest of society, is just so self-absorbed, and that's why we have the problems that we have today, many of them at least. Um, you know, the reason I called, I, I wanted to thank you for getting the truth out to the public. You always have great information that other hosts aren't talking about. Um, your guest, Joel, was wonderful. He brought out what masters of deception the Obamas are. And uh, as I always say, when a Democrat's mouth is moving, they're almost always lying. But the unfortunate thing is that some people want to be lied to because they want to believe that people who are, in quotes, like them, are on their side, and they have their best interests at heart, and they can be trusted, when in reality, the truth always winds up coming out that oftentimes they can't be trusted, and they don't have the best interests of, of their own people at heart. 
and he, he was great. He was great, and, 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 and you deserve all the credit for getting that information and, and having a connection with him and getting it out to all of us who didn't know a lot of those details. Yeah, Very no, important. He's, ama- he's an amazing guy. I've known him for about two years, and uh, like I said, like some, he's on the cutting edge. And the Trayvon Martin stuff, I remember you know, he approached me two, maybe even four years ago, and I was a little bit hesitant. I'm like, I I don't know about this guy. And uh, but you, you know, but then I I actually looked at his material, listened to him, and I'm like, man, he knows his stuff. He's not fooling around, and uh, he's bold and a truth teller. And uh, so, Joel Gilbert, check him out. Check out the film as well. Jacqueline, thank you, thank you very much. And uh, oh, is Rudy going to be uh, standing by? Yep, I think we're going to have Rudy, 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 one of my favorites. I I actually want to ask him uh, about. What is it like being sued? He knows. He knows. But what is it like being sued uh, or having five criminal cases against you at the same time? It is incredibly unfair. And practically speaking, though, I want to know what that's like. We'll be right back. Greg Kelly. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. I see. This is the Greg Kelly Show. You know, George Washington was a slave owner. Was George Washington a slave owner? So will George Washington now lose his status? Are we going to take down? Excuse me. Are we going to take down? Are we going to take down statues to George Washington? How about Thomas Jefferson? What do you think of Thomas Jefferson? You like him? Okay, good. Are we going to take down the statue? Because he was a major slave owner. Now, are we going to take down his statue? So you know what? It's fine. You're changing history. You're changing culture. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists. But you had very fine people on both sides. That's what they took. And that's what they uh, distorted, right? That Donald Trump was somehow saying that uh, neo-Nazis were very fine people. When he explicitly said he wasn't talking about them. Uh, but he was so right. This is That was August of 2017, right after Charlottesville, where one person tragically was, was killed. Funny how we don't know. Heather Heyer was her name. I don't know the name of the, the driver. I don't know much about that. Where, where are we in the prosecution? Where seems to have like almost vanished. Hmm? Strange, strange. But what he warned about that uh, you know George Washington losing his status, Thomas Jefferson losing his status. It 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 happened, and it's happening. Even George Washington University is rethinking their relationship to George Washington. They may change the name of the college. Pretty soon, they're going to change the name of the city. You know, uh, one of those soldiers who was killed was from Fort Moore. George, I'm like, what the hell is Fort Moore? I have no idea what Fort Moore is. Oh, oh, they changed the name of the base from Fort Benning for woke reasons. It's crazy. We are losing our history, and it's such a tragedy. Don't you agree, Barbara? I do. 
I do exactly agree, Greg. You're right absolutely about this. And Santiana, the philosopher and writer, said a country without a memory, in this case, a memory of our history, a country without a memory is a country of madmen. Santiana, who is that guy? Yes. He's a a philosopher and a writer. He was born in Spain, and he lived in the United States his whole life. And his writings are very complicated. Most of them go over my head. But um, very, very profound statements here and there. And this is one of those. Other people have said similar things. Um, What really prompted me to call today, though, was what you were talking about also Bringing up Thomas Jefferson, when Thomas Jefferson was the president, he had a very hard time with the press. And it's interesting if we look back and we read what our founders wrote and what they experienced and what was said about them, they dealt with almost everything we have dealt with. Thomas Jefferson said, during my administration and in order to disturb it, the artillery of the press has been leveled against us charged with whatever it could devise or dare. We became the butt of everything which ridicule, malice, and falsehood can supply. They have concentrated all their hatred on us till they have really persuaded themselves that we are the sole source of all their imaginary evils. My God, that is incredible. And those are his words. Where did he write them? In his diary or his memoirs? Where's that from? Those are his words. I, I read it. In, I'm reading it in a book about many of the presidents, and it's there. It doesn't give the context. I'm of sure when I can find it. it. Can you do me a favor, Barbara, as usual? Send that to me. Yes. It's so yes, incredible. I, Donald Trump. I mean, Donald Trump could have written the very same thing, what they put him through. He's in great company, isn't he? But he you, is. Sorry. And was, our founders, I'm sorry, our founders were so wise, they experienced so much. They were men of peace, but they were not men who would be victims, and they didn't want the colonists to be victims. And so the things that they experienced and that they handled and they wrote about would help us so much today. But we have stopped long ago teaching about our founders, seeing them as heroes or even as good and wise men, and we have relegated them to the dustbin, and um, they're old-fashioned, and we don't pay any attention, and besides, they were all evil white men. Yeah, right, evil white men. And slavery, slavery! Yeah, there was slavery here, unfortunately. Like 80% of the world had slavery. Uh, It's amazing what they have done, but you are such a patriot and uh, such a beacon of light. Thank you for that, Barbara. Please send it along. I have a feeling we'll be hearing it soon. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. All right. Her, her, her son blasted up the school, shot four people dead. I think that's terrible. I know she knows it's terrible. She feels like her life is ruined, but her name is Mrs. Crumbly, and now she's on trial. Uh, they, they're, uh, what is it, uh, negligent manslaughter. And um, she's on the stand. CNN is taking most of it live. And everything about her life is all over the place. She's being humiliated. You know, one of the problems here, the teachers were emailing each other. You know, something happens when you email somebody. The issue, whatever it is, potentially can become a lot less important. It shrinks. 
There's nothing like picking up the phone and talking to someone, but we don't do that all that much anymore, right? It's all in an email and these emails and what you send it to somebody and that becomes a chore for them. I got to look at my email and then you finally read it. Oh, I'm going to have to get back to that sooner or later, but I got another email to read. And so many things are just kind of brushed off and this could have really big consequences. And you know what? Today is February 1st. Beautiful day to start fresh things. I love the first of the month. But February 1st is the anniversary, what is it? It is the 21st anniversary of when we lost the Space Shuttle Columbia. Anybody remember that? The Space Shuttle Columbia uh, burned up on re-entry. There was a little hole in the tile, I think, that was there since launch, and we lost all the crew members. Back then, we used to... um, we used to turn on the news to find out what was going on. Here's Peter Jennings, the late, great Peter Jennings, um, with the report on that day. There were two women and five men on board Columbia. Four of the seven astronauts were on their first shuttle flight. All but one were married. All but one was American. They leave between them a dozen children. Here's ABC's Derek McGinty. The seven astronauts who died this morning represent the NASA of recent years. They were older and more diverse. We're incredibly lucky to be able to be working where we are, up above the Earth. Laurel Clark, 41 years old, was a former Navy flight surgeon, and this was her first mission in space. This was also Dave Brown's first space flight. He never imagined he would be an astronaut. I remember growing up thinking that astronauts and their job was the coolest thing you could possibly do. Ilan Ramon, 48 years old and a veteran fighter pilot, was the first Israeli in space. His mother survived the Holocaust. He was carrying with him a drawing by a young boy who did not, Peter Ginz, who died in the gas chambers. It's very exciting for me to be able to fulfill their dream. Kalpana Chawla emigrated to the United States from India, where she remembered envying pilots. Once in a while, we'd ask my dad if we could get a ride in one of these planes. They all loved space, but pilot William McCool also loved the Earth. My most enjoyable experiences are going out with with my wife and my boys, uh, backcountry backpacking in the Olympic Mountains or, you know, the Canyonlands in Utah. Mission Commander Rick Husband was in charge of the landing. He had tried four times to become an astronaut before being accepted in 1994. The nature of what we do has a certain level of risk associated with it. Certainly, whenever we launch, the amount of energy that's being expended during launch and ascent is mind-boggling. Lieutenant Colonel Michael Anderson was in charge of the mission's science experiments, and he admitted he was nervous about re-entry. On this flight entry, I'm just going to sit down in my seat and uh, hopefully reflect on 16 days on orbit that we've had and just anxious to get back to be happy to have the flight uh, behind us. Derek McGinty, ABC News, New York. Wow. If you do not belong. Wow. So um, they actually did spend 16 days in space. That happened at the end of the mission. Well, from what I recall, when the uh, when it launched, the Columbia launched in January, a big chunk somehow hit the wing, a big chunk of something hit the wing and created a little, little, little hole that 
air seeped into on reentry and then just tore the whole damn thing apart. That was February 1st of 2003. And this is kind of interesting. All of the NASA mishaps, the fatal NASA mishaps where you lost astronauts in space or close to, happened within a few days of each other, um, like late January to early February. The Challenger blew up on January 28th of 1986. The Apollo 1, there was that big fire in the capsule on the launch pad. That was January 27th of 1967. So the 27th, the 28th of January, and the 1st of February. That's when they had their their mishaps. And the one that bothers me the most, I mean, they're all horrible, but I guess it's Challenger because they knew they had a problem before launch. NASA knew it. The engineers at Morton Thiokol knew it. And for politics and business purposes and who the hell knows what, they said okay to launch when they knew that that thing was probably going to blow up. It's absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. And that's why I think to this day, no matter what you're no matter where you are in life, what the situation is, whether it's a meeting, you know, with your boss the at the bus depot or you're participating in a meeting with uh, fellow parents at the PTA or whatever it is, if you see something that you know in your heart is wrong and you you got to stand up, you got to stand up and support the truth. You have to no matter where you are. And because on the little things, you got to do it for the little things. Because if you don't do it for the little things, when the big thing comes along, you won't be ready. That muscle has to be exercised because good people just sat down and they shut up and they did what they were told, even though they knew that somebody could die, that all the astronauts could die as a result. Remember the O-rings, right? It was too cold to launch and the O-rings were shrinking and they knew that that was a real problem. You know, it was applying most of the pressure was NASA itself. NASA was like bullying the manufacturer, saying, are you guys serious? We want to launch now. You better come back with a better answer. This is basically what happened. You can watch it, Challenger, The Final Flight. It's on Netflix. It is a hell of a documentary. This happens throughout our history. I mean, uh, weapons of mass destruction. Everybody knew that Vice President Cheney wanted there to be weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. So all those lackeys over there at the CIA, they spun their intel to say, oh, yes, sir, If you're, you're right. If you look at it this way and you stand on your head and you cross your eyes, there are weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. And we should send 200,000 men and women over there to go get Saddam Hussein. It's all a lie because Dick Cheney and George W. Bush had some sort of issue in the man department. That's what I think it was in the man department. Hello, Andrew. Speaking of the opposite, you're not a chicken hawk like they were. Your military experience and background, you coined the term probably ground zero, which I wanted to connect to what Biden seems to be lying about his son. But you exposed Pete Buttigieg's service which he did serve, but you pointed out that it's like a setup where the senators, you know, you get to go in without boot camp and you could be older and you don't have to go to basic. So I wouldn't have known that. You're the only one that brings that out. And there was a woman who ran for Senate in Pennsylvania, Burnett, and she was in the military, but it looked like she was faking her officer training. And you showed on your show on Newsmax 
your actual resume and pointed out your officer training and how she didn't know the lingo and it looked suspicious. So it's great that we have you in that field of expertise. Well, whatever I can do. And thank you, Andrew. The thing about Kathy Barnett, she ran against uh, Dr. Oz for the Republican nomination. And Dr. Oz was my guy. I like Dr. Oz. Um, And I was suspicious of Kathy Barnett because she kept on saying that I was selected for officer candidate school. And on my resume, I didn't even have officer candidate school because it was like it's, it's just something you don't put down. And that she was she was running around saying that she was selected for something. You, it's just it's not something you talk about unless you graduate from it, and then that's quickly eclipsed by the other stuff you do in the military. So I did not like that about her. I did think she was exaggerating. I did think that she was exploiting people's ignorance of military affairs. Now, having said that. I got to say this about Kathy Barnett. She has real political talent. Um, she's a true believer in many ways. And um, I've grown, I, I, I like her. She made some pretty big mistakes. And she shouldn't have been running for the Senate. You got to start small. She's never been anything, really. So, Mr. Mayor, America's Mayor just walked in. Thank you very much uh, for calling, Andrew. And he's with his trusty chief of staff, Ted Ted Goodman, the best in the world, as you take a seat there. Um, how are you, sir? I am. Uh, I can say I'm good. Every day it's a new thing. I wake up in the morning, I feel nice, and then I get mad. Something happens. You know, the other morning, the, uh, the, the morning that, uh, that uh, Little Red Lying Hood uh, said that the, they died for the administration. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It just got me. I don't know. It shouldn't get me that bad, but it just got me. That's like what a communist country would say. You died for Stalin. Yeah. yeah. You died for the United States of America. My God. Uh, and you, I know how sensitive, as you do, these families are. You see, the people you had, uh, the people you had on were terrific, by the way. It made me cry from Afghanistan. It reminded me of the people that I had to deal with. Your dad had to deal with the, with the police department. Once, once you go through that, you're a different person. Did you see what, I don't want to make you upset all over again, but did you see what Biden said this morning about, to the families? You got to hear this, Mr. Mayor. You got that all queued up? It was the first thing that we did. So he's talking to the family of um, one of the soldiers, and the camera's in there recording the phone call. And uh, listen to how it goes. Go ahead. President Biden calling Oneida and Sean Sanders, whose 24-year-old daughter Kennedy was killed in the attack. I know... You know, everybody, uh, I, I know there's nothing anybody can say or do to ease the pain. I've been there. Yes, sir, we understand. The parents overcome with emotion when the president reveals how their daughter will be honored. We're promoting her posthumously to sergeant. Oh, wow, Thanks, that is sir. the best news I've heard today. Thank you so much. You don't know how much that means to us. So there you go right there. Mr. Mayor, he said, I lost my son in Iraq. Uh, he was there for a year. That's how I lost him. And that's a lie. He, he already has those other families apoplectic over that. Yeah. I mean, you can't do things like that to these families. You know, I, he is such a phony. Like, even like going to East Palestine, that's a totally phony act. 
uh, there's no purpose in going there anymore. This is, uh, his statements are totally phony. And when he starts saying things like, my son died in, in battle, I mean, it's, uh, his it's, son died and it was tragic, but he didn't die in battle. He, he died in a hospital and they had time to prepare. Mr. Mayor, what is it like? Uh, look, people sue you. And I noticed uh, Donald Trump, they're suing him, criminal cases all over the place. But I would imagine part of their plan is working because things fall through the cracks. You can't defend yourself on multiple fronts as effectively as possible. Like, look, the conflict of interest issues that they're papering over, oh, there's no conflict of interest. This is fine that the judge worked with uh, the lawyer at the law firm, and this is fine that the lawyer was married by the judge. All this is fine, and the lawyers had every opportunity to, like, I think a bigger deal could have been made of that, but you know, they're the Trump's lawyers are overwhelmed, and this is no ding on them. Are they overwhelmed? Yeah, hundred percent. They're overwhelmed, and there's a thing I always used to point out about Republican strategists and Democrat strategists. Uh, it's very easy to be a Democrat strategist. I'd be a genius. Got, got the press on your side. Yeah, you can make a thousand mistakes; they don't notice it. Same thing is true here. The lawyer on the other side makes a horrendous mistake, and the judge covers it over. I mean, was uh, there a horrendous and, mistake they made? Oh gosh, yeah, they, they help them getting, they help them answering questions, they help them put, uh, putting out questions, they tell them how they're going to rule, mm. and then they give you a very, very hard time over the most picayune thing, and they change all the rules on you. So I mean, it's it's a totally unfair uh, situation, and it does. You're absolutely right, and and the president, I don't think, would like to admit this, but it, and he's going to win anyway because thank God he's we, God's on our side, but. Uh, there's a lot of stuff you just can't you, – you just don't have the – you only have a certain attention span no matter yeah. how multitasking you are. You know, I heard uh, Roberta Kaplan say the other day because they were like, well, Alina Habba says this. And she said, well, she's wrong. And, you know, the rules are the rules and the judge's ruling and the rules are the rules. And she kept talking about the rules. She wasn't talking about the law. I found that interesting. Yeah, you know? like as if it's federal rules of civil procedure or something. And, and it's, uh, it's our rules. Right, and rules are flexible. Law is not supposed to be flexible. Right. Uh, so there's that. And the other thing, can I just ask you this? How how egregious was it that Donald Trump was not able to raise some fundamental issues about E. Jean Carroll in the first trial, i.e. her comments about raping sexy, her uh, tweets where she admired Donald Trump? You know, all of that stuff was inadmissible. And to me, that seems incredible and well, totally unfair that's a that's a discretionary decision made by a judge but in light of the fact that he allowed so much of trump's background in he didn't do like a pure we're just going to concentrate on the facts of this case you're not going to learn anything else about them now you almost can't do that with somebody like 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 trump so in this case i think it's reversible error you, you have to treat them the same way and that's a that's a an appeal thing right yeah first of all means means it's a, every trial has error then they determine how bad it is and that would be called reversible error I like what you said though God harmless is on our error, side harmless error reversible error reversible error remember that Mr mayor will be right back thank you Greg Kelly This is The Greg Kelly Show. Well, Mr. Mayor, it's a privilege sitting with you every day. By the way, you are in great spirits. I mean, I know things get you down and that kind of thing, but you're at the top of your game. Um, 
and you are, I think, at your maximum usefulness, even more than when you were mayor. You well, buy that? Haley wouldn't agree with that. She thinks that anybody over 70 should be thrown in the garbage heap. Oh, you mean uh, Nimarata? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Demarata. This is why I Namor- call her Nimarata or Demarata? It's, the thing about her name is it's fine to have the name Nimarata. It doesn't mean anything. But I think she was uh, deceptive and she tried to conceal it. Quite frankly, it was like with DeSantis. Is it DeSantis or DeSantis? Yeah, that right. was a real thing, remember? <laughs> right, right. It's nothing racist. By the way, George Herbert Walker Bush, you know what he hated to be called? Herbert Walker Bush. Yeah. <laughs> he I can't it. stand Rudolph. <laughs> you don't like Rudolph? My mother used to call me Rudolph. Interesting. Nobody I never had a friend that called me Rudolph. That is my name. I mean, I wasn't, I'm not Rudy Giuliani. I am officially Rudolph W. Giuliani. And my mother was, was inflexible about it. She said, your father and I named you for your grandfather, and you're going to be Rudolph. I also, my father had an aunt who worked on Wall Street. Um, she was like a, an accountant. And they suggested that she could do better if she changed her name. And she came to her, her father, and her, fa- her father basically said, said, yeah, if you want me to disown you. <laughs> the fascinating thing was, though, in the 80s, you were known in this city as Rudolph. It didn't really change yes, until true. you ran for mayor. But why I changed it. You changed. I changed. I knew if they called me Rudy, I had a better chance of getting the vote for me. Uh, Ailes, Ailes uh, accomplished that. That's interesting. We would send people around uh, on the parades. Yeah. They brought people. They'd be yelling, Rudy, Rudy, to get everybody familiar. And Ailes always felt if we get them down to Rudy, I think we're going to get their vote. <laughs> well, that was a smart move. Yeah. Uh, and then but- the movie came out. Oh, yeah. In 83, in 93. Notre Dame. Yeah, that came out right in the middle of my campaign, and Bill Clinton wore my hat, wore the Rudy hat. That's so cool. That is so cool. Oh, and remember, what's-his-name came to town for you? George Herbert Walker Bush. Uh, Oh, yeah. And he couldn't pronounce Giuliani, but he saved himself barely (laughs) by saying, uh, Rudy, wait, what did he say? We're we're here for Giuliani. Rudy? Yeah. That was one hell of a Do you ever think what life would have, how life would have been different for you had you become a U.S. senator in 88, like you were considering, like a lot of us wanted you to be? Yeah, I don't know. It's so hard to it's so hard to say. You'd be in the middle of this, but in a different way. It would have been. I think the job would have been much more frustrating than I realized. Could you have beaten Moynihan? I, I uh, number one, I didn't think so. I wasn't sure, and number two, I didn't want to. <laughs> you really? Oh. I respected him a lot. Oh, so that wasn't as close as we were. No, led to I, believe. I was. I was more pushed to do that by. Uh, by the way, by the way, Damato. Hey, I never told you this, but I had a, f- a fake news epiphany. In college. So right after you lost in 89, the first time, I was watching uh, the McLaughlin group. And you remember Jack Germond? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I used to think, oh, these people are on television. They know everything, right? Right, right? <laughs> and and Jack, Jack Germond said out loud, eh, Bush is going to give Rudy some federal job to keep him happy. And I mean, I, I knew that wasn't true. Right. And I knew the only job you would have considered is like Secretary of State or right. Defense. Uh, right. He, I, I might have, then I might have done Attorney General. At that then, point, then. but he was saying like some you know FAA or some low level job, and I'm like that's not true. And I was like the first time I I saw somebody on TV, and I knew they were wrong from my own experience. <laughs> so, well, Mr. Mayor, the show is yours. Well, sometime I'll tell you why I'm very loyal to uh, 41. Really? He he uh, he was he, at a very critical point. He stood up for me, and nobody else did. I love it. Yeah. He just went up in my book. Many yeah. thanks. Uh, the mayor is next.